Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Misadventures of a Coconut. Um, I wanted to do a podcast for quite a long time and I've never really got around to doing it. So here I am sitting in a, a random service department in Maidstone in the middle of Kent in my shorts, had a, some random Turkish food after the gym, pretending to be healthy and I thought, you know what, it's about time I started recording my podcast. So I am a self-confessed coconut. What does that mean? It's an interesting question. So I am British, but ethnically I am Pakistani. That's something I'm always reminded of when I have to fill in some form. It's like, oh, what's your ethnicity? And I'm like, well, what is it really? What is ethnicity? Where do I really come from? It's a long story. But yeah, my parents were born in Pakistan. I was born in London. So am I really Pakistani? I'm kind of British. I have, you know, a few passports, uh, all real, uh, beginning from when I was young. I look really cute, then it gets worse, then it's okay now. So, I'm a coconut. There are lots of people, lots of Asians, probably people who are in the second or third generation um, of a family who emigrated, migrated, moved to uh, the UK, who are stuck between two cultures. But most of the people from that kind of generation and that kind of subset group, whatever, whatever fancy word you want, they're either fully Asian or they are fully British and you've got people in the middle who are confused. And even within within that middle region area grouping, there are lots of people who are pretty confused and they are more Asian than they think or they're more white or anglicised um, than they actually think. So for me, I've come to the realisation at the grand old age of 30 years old that, yeah, I, I am a coconut and I, I'm dealing with it. And it has led to me having lots of interesting interactions, going on random misadventures, thinking, what the hell is happening? Who are these people? What do they want from me? So it's been kind of interesting. So where does the term coconut come from? I'm not going to say the etymology of coconut, which is probably pretty cool. Um, random aside, I, I like looking at the etymology of words purely because it helps me to remember them. I studied Latin for a while. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. one of the reasons why I'm a coconut. And essentially, a coconut is brown on the outside, white on the inside. So a lot of people, if if they meet me, they automatically assume, ah, oh, okay, he's one of those, you know, he's a bit confused. He is actually brown, but on the inside, he thinks he's white and he doesn't really know. And I'm always like, no, I know where I'm coming from, but don't judge me because of that. Judge me because of my bad humour or judge me because of my pretentiousness. Or actually, I pretend to be pretentious, but I'm really actually humble. So I'm a coconut and I'm aware of that. I think I really learnt about it or I, I I began to experience the repercussions of being a coconut when I got to university. All of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I had friends. No, actually, I had Asian friends. I made Asian friends. And it was really interesting. Um, growing up, I didn't watch Bollywood. I wasn't obsessed with various Bollywood actresses. I couldn't sing songs. I didn't know the lyrics, I couldn't do dialogues, 
I kind of grew up in a normal household. We actually, you know, watch Western movies. Um, and I, yeah, I was aware, you know, of Bollywood and I knew people who watched it, but it wasn't really our thing. And my mum, who was born in Pakistan, she she wasn't interested in stuff like that. So we grew up watching lots of random things. My mum, who is a bit of a legend, understatement, she loves watching period dramas. I've grown up watching that quietly. I've quietly been obsessed with that. So if my mum needs to watch a movie, she'll watch Sense of Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, anything like that. So that straight away marks you a bit different from Asians who would have grown up watching Bollywood movies and they have this idea, oh my God, I'm going to fall in love. I'll be swept away. It'll be random violins playing and people start dancing, which doesn't happen. And it's so fake. So even as a kid, when I did watch a Bollywood movie, I think, okay, but this doesn't happen. So if you're walking around, there's someone who's smoking hot. You try and like, you know, talk to her. She rejects you. Remember, I'm a kid here. Then all of a sudden you start singing and people dance with you. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical. It's irrational. And as a kid, I was like, why do they keep on changing clothes? Where is this happening? So I kind of just didn't buy it, didn't believe it. But I knew of the Bollywood um, fascination, the impact on people from all over the subcontinent. So that's just one aspect. Another aspect would be there, there are people who are born in the UK. They've lived there their entire life, but they feel more connected or more aware or have more of a not an allegiance more of a connection to Pakistan most of my experience has been with people from Pakistan so I know the coconut phenomenon is pretty strong when you talk about the British Pakistani community society but the, yeah I, I do know British Indians and Bengalis who are like that as well but I speak primarily for um, British Pakistani because I, I know of that so it, if you're a coconut, people think, okay, what schools have you been to? Have you been to a good school? Have you been to a private school? What does your dad do? Where do you live? Why do you speak like that? I.e., why don't you have a funny accent? Why don't you sound like you've lived in Pakistan half your life and you came here, you know, in, in a box or something and, and, and worked in some random part of Birmingham? No offense to Birmingham. I moved there about eight weeks ago. It's not actually bad. They have electricity. And they have art galleries, so that they ha have actually got stuff um, happening, which I was pleasantly surprised by. So there are people who are really connected to Pakistan, and when you say, like, you know, what do you think? They're like, I don't, you know, like, I support Pakistan in cricket, and I'm like, but Pakistan cricket, why would you support that? You're born in the UK, I get it. England used to have a really crap cricket team in the 90s, but they've, they've improved quite a lot. They've even got people, you know, Muslim people, Hindu people, like all, all kinds of different um, religions and backgrounds and whatever, like, you know, Freddie Flintoff used to believe in, I don't know, Lager or something. So I, I never understood people were connecting with that. So having grown up, being acutely aware, okay, my family were born there, but I'm born and brought up here. So I know on some random form I have to take in Pakistan, but I'm, I'm British at the end of the day. And yes, I, I speak Urdu. I speak Urdu, which is a funny language. Um, I have been asked, are you Urdu? Are you Islam? Do you speak Pakistani? Do you speak Indian? And I was like, no, I don't. I speak Urdu. They're like, ah, oh, okay, that's spoken all over India. And I'm like, no, I just told you I've never been to India. My family were actually born in Pakistan. They're like, ah, oh, cool. 
And then they're like, do they have those squiggly lines? And I was like, what are you talking about? A any language which doesn't have a Western script, i.e. Latin base, is going to have squiggly things. Random aside, Urdu is a really interesting word. It's supposed to have the same roots as the word um, horde, as in the golden horde or the Mongol horde. So the word Urdu actually comes from the phrase or description of an army camp. So Urdu actually means uh, an army camp. So I went to a lecture years ago by a fascinating lecturer who spoke several different languages from the subcontinent and even spoke different dialects. And he told me or told us, rather the audience, who were who I think were captivated, I was pretty captivated, that the actual description of that group of where the army, the soldiers were camped was used to describe the language. So it was something like, I'll use Urdu here or whatever like weird concoction it is or Persian or Turkish. It's like Zaban e Mo'alla um, Urdu. So it's like the language of the area of the army and the word Urdu remain and they've used that ever since. I've probably destroyed that and, you know, pronounced incorrectly. But as I said to you, I can speak the language, but I have a funny accent. So people are always confused or conflating where you're from, what do you speak? And I'm always like, you know, this is random move beyond it. So I've lived abroad. I've lived in Japan and I've lived in Saudi Arabia, two completely random places. Um, I ended up there for different reasons. Um, I was on the run, had to pay in alimony. No, I'm joking. Uh, I didn't have to pay alimony. No, I'm joking. Nothing like that. Um, so to kind of preface that, a lot of my family have lived abroad. It's a story which I've told like a billion times to everyone, anyone who listens, like, you know, friends, family, lampposts, myself, you know, anybody I, I tell. So my family originally come from Kashmir. Kashmir was a princely state. Um, that's another fascinating um, topic, princely states within India before the partition, when the British were taking over. So I know my family originally come from Kashmir. So ethnically, that's, that's what I am. But then my, I believe my great-grandfather, he moved to Hong Kong and my grandfather was born in Hong Kong. Hong Kong obviously was a British colony. Uh, another fascinating topic imperialism, colonialism, especially in today's context, as something I would love to talk about in future episodes. Obviously, when, you know, I'm super successful and I can get, like, you know, Dan Snow or something like that, and I can talk to him because he's cool. And I like his uncle, who wears really cool socks. Or his dad's cousin. Anyway, they're related somehow. Let's go with it. So, and then my family moved back, or my grandfather and his father moved back to Delhi, then they moved to Lahore, then the partition happened, which is why they went to Lahore. Then they moved to Kuwait, which was a protectorate of, of the British. And then they moved to um, the UK 40 years ago, 50 years ago. And the rest of the family, a lot of them have, have moved to or moved to Canada, which is obviously part of the other Commonwealth. So I always have felt that I'm a product of the, uh, the British Empire. If the British Empire didn't exist, I wouldn't be around. But if the British hadn't, you know, invaded, colonised, exploited, pillaged India, shout out to Shashi Tharoor, love his accent, lo love his books, 
or if the British hadn't forcibly tried to import opium and then, you know, bombarded various um, places, then I, I wouldn't be here equally if the British hadn't taken over or decided to protect the random trucial states as they were known before, which became, you know, various places like the United Arab Emirates and stuff like that. Then I wouldn't be here. So my family have moved around now, but I've always wanted to uh, travel abroad, move around. So I ended up going to Japan from 2011 to 2013. Uh, if, you know, if I carry anything, which I would love to do, I'll talk about Japan and just tell about all the random things I got up to, you know, trained to be a samurai, became a ninja, that kind of stuff. No, that's not true because they're not real. Whenever someone says to me, oh, did you meet ninjas? And I'm like, no, if they were real ninjas, like you wouldn't see them. And like ninjutsu, which is a style of martial arts done by ninjas that has like officially died out, it's about to die out, it's like one random grandmaster. But I'm pretty sure if the whole purpose um, was to be unseen, unheard and just, you know, take out people, I'm sure they probably exist in some form or other. And they're like really cool, advanced ninja assassins. So, yeah, Japan was incredible. And I kept on thinking, oh, okay, so this is my take, my understanding of who I am. What what am I doing? People are like, oh, so you're from the UK. So when you live abroad in, in a country like Japan, you almost become an ambassador for your country. So people ask you, oh, so do they love fish and chips? And I'm like, yeah, they do. But like you can eat normal food. Like people in, you know, the UK, they love curry. And they're like, what? And their minds are blown. They're like, why do they eat curry? And I'm like, because they do... And it's probably because of the fact that the British, you know, ruled India for quite a while and they picked up a few things. Or they'd ask, like, you know, so is football popular and why are you rubbish? Or like, uh, no idea. I gave up after Euro 96. That was the last time I was fully emotionally invested in football. And after that, I gave up. My younger brother, he gave up many years ago. He decided when he was pretty young, I'm going to support Brazil because they're winners. True story. So in Japan, you're constantly asking, so you know, what is happening in the UK? You know, what is this about? What is the history of this? So I was always talking about, okay, so yeah, this is this is England. This is the UK. Oh, why do we call it the United Kingdom? Oh, okay, because there were separate kingdoms or England invaded and Wales and, you know, conquered it or occupied Ireland, then a part of it remained, the other part became independent and Scotland... Um, became part of the UK in the 1700s. <clears throat> so in a way, it, was, it, it allows you, or it allowed me when I was living abroad, to reflect and think, okay, what is the UK? How would you describe it? Then I moved to Saudi Arabia, which is a country, how would I summarise it? It's a country with a lot of potential and a lot of issues. I think that's very succinct, straight to the point, and it covers everything without offending anyone either as well. So when I was in Saudi People constantly said, oh, okay, where are you from? In Saudi Arabia, there are millions of people from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and they are in the service sector, as in the lowest end. I, I, I'm not, like, you know, denigrating what they're doing, just simply saying they are. So, you know, drivers, whatever, cleaners. So if you look Asian, but you speak, like, the way I do, they're like, where are you from? We don't understand. So supposedly I look Egyptian, Egyptian people would say, oh, are you from Egypt and whereabouts are you from in Egypt? And I'm like, I've never been to Egypt and I'm definitely not Egyptian. They're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Unless my 
parents soon told me the truth that I might be Egyptian. So they're like, oh, where are you from? And as soon as I open my mouth, they're like, oh, okay, so where are you from? Were you born? I'm like, oh, you know, I was born in London. They're like, it doesn't look like it. And I'm like, yeah, I was born in London. It's a massive city. You might have heard of it. They're like, but your face doesn't go. And at the uh, when I first started hearing stuff like this, I was taken aback. And I'm like, okay, there's a dude who's speaking to me in English and he's wearing the traditional thobe, which are, which are the clothes worn by men. And I'm like, but yeah, that doesn't make sense because you're speaking English and you're wearing different clothes. So how does that go? And I, I'd have to be quite snide and have a patronizing voice. And they'd be like, oh, okay, you know, he means business. So there were so many times, I'll, I'll do a podcast and say, I'll definitely get banned or something forever. But like, this is where my... My producer, i.e. my brother, edits this. <laughs> yeah, I'll you know, talk about that. But in Saudi, they are very conscious and proud of where they're coming from. What is the heritage? Bizarrely so. Because in the UK, nobody really knows or cares. They're like, we're British, we're English. And that's pretty much it. But in Saudi, it was like, where are you from? Like, you know, like, how did it end up in the UK? And I was like, ah, oh, long story, but my family, trust me, are British. So whenever I spend time abroad and I've come back, and I'm always like, oh, this is weird. So people don't really discuss their identity in the UK. So even if you're not a coconut, you're not an Asian, or from whichever part of the world, and you, you've ended up living in the glorious nation of the United Kingdom, people don't talk about it. So if you look at America and if you read, watch, listen to any anything related to the US, it's about America, it's freedom, it's about you know becoming something, the American dream. It's got this myth, you know, the founding fathers, the people running away from the UK or England rather, because they were crazy and they wanted freedom. So the the whole way of life is based on the fact yeah we're you know we're americans we're proud we made our country we forged it into a great nation and then obviously invaded it lots of things took over that role from you know france uk spain so in the uk it's like yeah we're british we're, you know we're happy being british as a british and i'm like okay what is british culture what is british identity so if we look at the sports we play we play football but we're not very good even though the Premier League, which is dubbed by every single commentator, former footballer, as the toughest, the most physical, the best league in the world. But it's not. If it was, we would be winning World Cups all of the time and competitions. And most English footballers don't bother going abroad because they can't be bothered. They don't want to learn a language. You can earn obscene amounts of money playing for some crappy team sitting on you know the bench which i would love to do give me 10 grand a week and i'll be chilling as well and i i, I not, okay i'd be chilling but i would train like anything but it, it's weird if you look at it okay we invented football and we're kind of rubbish at it we're not kind of we are rubbish so the world cup is coming up this year and i'm sure they'll scrape through again i'll, I'll be optimistic They'll blitz through the qualification stage, you know, the first group. They'll get to the quarterfinal and get, like, knocked out by Paraguay or something like that. So something random. Or, you know, our nemesis, Iceland. C could be anything. If you look at rugby, okay, we won. It's weird I say we because, obviously, I'm British and I feel part of it. And I used to play rugby and I enjoy watching rugby from time to time. 
we've won you know the World Cup and we're pretty good at it. And what is the reason for that? Not many countries play rugby. You've got okay, Japan, which is where the World Cup is taking place. The next one, Japan, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, who are amazing. Um, what is it? South Africa, France, which is quite random. Because the countries play Argentina, which is once again is quite random. Italy, uh, okay, yeah, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland. So. It's not a very big pool of countries and it's interesting rugby is played at private schools where you have the infrastructure, the money to allow this sport to grow. And it, as a random aside, it's interesting when you go to a football match, it's a very um, strange atmosphere. People are swearing, there's an undertone of like violence, whereas and you, they can't drink. You go to a rugby match, people are drinking, it's quite jovial, there's good banter. And I'm thinking, but how come nobody's fighting here? Because there's a cultural difference, it's a very subtle thing. Or if you look at other sports you invented, cricket, hit and miss, good players, always issues. Um, if, if you look at countries which also play cricket, once again, you know, countries that were colonised by the UK, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Kenya, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, uh, West Indies. Often they have more interesting players or they do well. But it's a mix. Once again, it's a small pool. So the UK is not good, or England is not good at the at the sports they invented. Uh, tennis, it was quite convenient how all of a sudden Andy Murray became a British player when he started winning before he was a Scottish player. I noticed that. Oh, I like Roger Federer, though. He's amazing. He better become like a drug cheat or something like that. It'll destroy my interest in uh, tennis. So we're not good at the sports we've invented. We are quite confused about position in the world, which is why the whole Brexit issue... It's such a stupid thing. So if you look at the breakdown, yeah, I feel quite passionate about it. I, I want to travel. <laughs> I want to go abroad again, not pay for visas and have that issue. The people who voted for the Brexit, um, if you look at the breakdown, they come from areas which had industry, but that was destroyed, taken away, dismantled by the Conservatives and lots of different governments because they don't support British industry, unlike, say, you know, in France or Japan. And the people are older. But I understand why they voted for it. They assume, oh, okay, if we take our power back from this crazy elite in Brussels, and all of a sudden these jobs will come back. But they won't. And the people who voted against it, they're young. They live in, you know, lively, cosmopolitan, mixed areas. They're like, yeah, this is normal. It's the world we live in. We want to move around. We don't want to be stuck in the UK and... And we don't want to pay inflated prices and, and we, we, we don't want to go abroad for no reason. There's a clear generational divide. But once again, what does it mean to be British? We like curries? Okay. We play football. Um, hooliganism is a massive thing. I was watching a video on YouTube about how people, um, you know, in firms, which is the word used for groups of hooligans, they, are, they train in like, you know, mixed martial art clubs to train for fights and how people are worried that, when you know, when fans or rather hooligans travel to Russia, they'll get beaten up by Russian hooligans. 
So we're not good at football or hooliganism. And we have just voted for the Brexit because we're separate. We're a separate nation. We have nothing to do with them, even though England ruled um, big chunks of um, France for several hundred years. You have the Plantagenets, the Andrevin, however you pronounce it, Empire. If you look at Richard the Lionheart, he spoke French as his first language. He hardly spent time in the in England and he was always fighting, campaigning for his land in France. He fought his father for his land in France. Eleanor, his mother, who was from Aquitaine, which is part of France. So Richard the Lionheart, who is this key kind of figure and part of the myth of you know, being English, he was basically like an Anglo-French dude who couldn't be bothered with England. And then, you know, people kind of forget conveniently that Vikings, they ruled for a very long time, and English is a Germanic language, and the people who moved here or migrated here were from parts of Northern Europe. And also, the thing that kind of amuses me the most is that our royal family, not our, I don't know the royal family, I think it's a complete waste of money, the royal family is actually German. And they only changed their name during the, the First World War due to anti-German sentiment. So we have a German royal family. We speak a Germanic language, which has incredible amounts of loan words from Latin, from French, because there was that huge connection, that transfer of ideas and words, because England ruled chunks of France for a very long time. There was, you know, something called the Hundred Years' War, which wasn't really Hundred Years, because you had the English kings trying to take over um, France. But that that kind of only happened when England lost pretty much everything, and then all of a sudden they turned away, and then they decided to focus on themselves. But even then, we had, we've had we had German kings, the um, dynasty after Victoria... After Victoria before Victoria? No, so Victoria was married to a cousin who was a duke or a prince of a German duchy. And you had the electors, a title used in the Holy Roman Empire. They ruled over the UK in the 1700s. So you had German people ruling the UK. You've had French people, Viking people, but still were English. But what does it mean to be English? It doesn't make any sense to me. So all of these things I've always thought about, pondered, reflected, because I love to read and I've read extensively. I always thought, oh, okay, I can recite all of the names of the royal families or houses that have ruled the UK since, I don't know, since the Anglo-Saxons. But like what was happening in France, what was happening in the rest of the world, which has led me to read about the Habsburgs or lots of random people. So all of this might seem random and off topic, but it's all about identity. What does it mean to be British in this day and age? Who isn't British? We had the Windrush scandal. It's still going on. So my grandfather, my late grandfather, he was born in Hong Kong. So he was born not as an Indian citizen, but rather as a citizen of Hong Kong or the British Empire. So technically, I'm a third generation British person because my my grandfather, when he was born, he was issued with a British passport. So was he British? Was he Indian? 
Was he whatever the word is for someone who comes from Hong Kong? I think it's in flux. So when you have someone like myself who has that background or who is always thinking about things, who has lived abroad, it means I'm not entirely sure. And then when, you, then when you're actually living within the UK and you meet Asians who are also similarly confused, I'm like, okay, what does this mean? Uh, am I a coconut or what? And if I'm a coconut, what does that mean? Is there any point me discussing this? I think there is. Um, there are so many things I look, I read about, I see on TV or I see in the media. And I'm like, that's really bizarre. So you've just shown this random piece about people, I don't know, in Birmingham. And it's the person with the craziest beard and the weirdest accent. But there are actually normal people as well. But once again, there are crazy people in Birmingham as well. It's all about trying to find your identity. Who are you? And what makes you British? And why do I think I'm a coconut? So why am I a coconut? I'm someone who straddles in my mind. And as people have told me, the Britishness, which even British people don't know what it actually is. And my ethnic background, Pakistani, which people are very proud about, but they're not entirely sure. Like, what does it mean living in this day and age? And especially in the UK, how does that translate? Because people, they end up marrying other people. They end up speaking a different language. Identity is really fluid. I, I always like to think about the uh, ephemeral nature of history. That just before, before the First World War, there were people of English writers who wrote that the British Empire would last for hundreds of years. This is literally in 19, the 1910s. A few years later, the British Empire was devastated. They acquired more land, caused problems in the Middle East and other places. But they, they were weighed down by debt. And the next few decades essentially left them unable to carry on as a world power. So things change. Will I always be a coconut? I'm not sure. But these are my, uh, my thoughts and I'll tell you about some of my misadventures or my just experience of being completely confused by people. That's probably what life is, being confused and smiling and carrying on. And that's that. See you next time. Actually, I can't see you. <laughs> I'll speak to you next time.